0: Whoa!
1: Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lowe. You're your host. Hard to believe we're into May already. And I think of May, as maybe you do too, as one of those months that seemed so far off. A couple months ago when we, and the whole world in fact, especially in America, we went into the depth of this pandemic. And the projections as to when we'd be able to come out of our sheltering at home, our shutdowns and so on. So we're still in process. And of course, we're still praying for everyone, for our frontline workers, especially the medical profession and in other professions as well. Many things are essential, actually. Many professions are essential. But certainly the front lines are the medical people. We're also praying, remembering in our prayers, those who have died as a result of this pandemic. And we continue to pray for those who are healthy, that we all remain healthy. And hopefully that is your case as well. Or if you have experienced this, this disease, that you have recovered well, and that you will remain healthy. As we say in the Byzantine church, the Eastern Lung of the church, may God grant you many years of peace, health, and long life. And that is our, that is our prayer and our wish, our desire for the whole world, for everybody, no matter what kind of person you are. We don't wish bad on anyone, even bad people. We wish, we want, I should say want rather than wish, as Jesus Christ does. We want their salvation and conversion. God wants all to be saved, but we have to make the right choice. And God has certainly provided for us in a very difficult way, as he sometimes does, an opportunity, an opportunity to make the right choices. But in the process of this, it is understandable that many people are Maybe feeling, of course, very anxious and fearful and despondent or even despairing. We hope you're not despairing. But I can understand people coming up to that point, hopefully not crossing over into actual despair. Remember, I am a priest. I do hear confessions. I do counsel. I am with people. I try to be as present to people as possible during this time of shutdown or a gradual kind of letting up of the shutdown. And In that presence, I find that many people are right now very anxious. So what can the Eastern churches, what can the spirituality of the Eastern churches offer to all of us who are experiencing certain anxiety, certain fear, a test of faith, certain despair, certain despondency? As I said, hopefully it's not despair. Despair is the worst thing. And we pray that we don't ever come to that point, but sometimes people do. So what can we do? How can we draw from the reservoir of the riches of the Eastern churches? Because that is what this program is about, of course. It's something that we must do. Well, let's start to dig into that reservoir, especially during the season of the resurrection. That's the place where we will start. The resurrection, the proclamation of that is now what we ought to be doing. And I think it was rather providential that our Lord, God, and Savior Jesus Christ has designed or willed that the worst part, at least thus far from what we can see, the worst part, the peak of this pandemic, occurred just as we were in the church and most of Christianity, we were approaching the cross, the cross on Mount Calvary. We were coming to that point of the, well, it was the midpoint of Lent and then into Great and Holy Week, where we follow Jesus Christ to his suffering and death. But the highest of the high points came when Jesus Christ resurrected. That is what we were celebrating. So in other words, it's as though God, at least in my mind, God had engineered things so that in the very darkest moment, we would be asked, invited, and in fact would proclaim that Christ is risen. That is the final word, the last word on everything, even the worst thing, which was death. This is why we repeat, Christ has risen over and over again. In the Eastern churches especially, in our liturgy, we sing of the resurrection often, very often. Each Sunday, there are what we call resurrection tones for that particular Sunday, and this goes on all through the year. You always have a resurrection tone. In other words, a, a dogmatic hymn according to our chant, that speaks of the resurrection. At our evening prayer service, our Vesper service, especially on Saturday evening, the great Vespers, we always sing several, several hymns having to do with the meaning of the resurrection. So the idea of the resurrection is spoken and proclaimed by us, and by that we remind ourselves of it and try to immerse ourselves in it, convince ourselves of it, The resurrection is that last word. Over and over again, we do proclaim it. And to make that a reality is a strong point in the Eastern spirituality. Yes, it is in both spirituality, East and West, but the East is, in particular, a very, very resurrection-oriented spirituality. And in fact, in the Holy Lands, that magnificent church that stands over both the spot where Christ died on the cross and also where he resurrected. Both of those are under the same roof. That church is often known as Holy Sepulcher or Church of the Holy Cross. In the Eastern churches, it's known as the Church of the Resurrection. So there you see, perfect example of the church breathing with two lungs, literally, because it's referred to in two complementary ways by the Western and Eastern churches. So the emphasis for the East is that resurrection. So primarily, we are people of the resurrection, that we have to believe that first, we have to try to see that. We see it not only in this life here, but we also have to believe that it is our ultimate destiny, even when there is, of course, the sadness and tragedy of death. But that's not the end of it. It is hard. I know that it's hard because we grieve during death. We grieve and we're frightened and this is we you know we suffer during times of disease and death. It is hard to proclaim and live and convince ourselves and act as though this resurrection is, in fact, the final word. But that is what is put before us. That is what we must embrace as the reality. And our hope is in the final resurrection, the last judgment, when our souls will be reunited with our bodies, gloriously transfigured. How do we know that? Because Jesus Christ and his resurrection proves that. Remember, Jesus Christ is the new Adam. He anticipates what will become for us. He's the human being that should have been from the beginning. Of course, he's also divine. But in taking on our human nature, he takes on the original nature of Adam, but he brings it to the perfection that God intended for Adam and for all of us. And so that is the proof. And this is why St. Thomas said when he touched the wounds of Christ, my Lord and my God, the words that the whole of Scripture tries to get us to say the whole point of scripture of salvation history was to bring all humanity to say the same words as St. Thomas when he saw Christ in the upper room with his body, including the wounds, and his divinity together his glorified, spiritualized body. He was seeing not only Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ really was, but once again, just as the apostles saw on Mount Tabor during the transfiguration of Christ, they saw once again, the apostles did, especially Thomas, that truth of the human person, our origin and our destiny, and it was glorious. And Thomas learned it, was convinced of it, not by something purely spiritual, but by a spiritualized body that was so real, it still had the wounds of Jesus Christ in it. So real and so visceral that Christ said, go ahead, touch these wounds. These are the very wounds. And yet Christ's body was somehow magnificently spiritualized and glorified. This is the proof and this is what we have to keep before us. It's why we proclaim it over and over again. It's why in our church, it may even seem monotonous, or boring or whatever, you might wonder why we sing the Christ is Risen in all these different ways and all these different tones in our church. It's because we need to be constantly reminded. We're literally, in a sense, liturgically drumming it into our heads because God and the wisdom of the church fathers through the centuries that wrote these beautiful liturgies for us, they realized human nature. They realized that we will be afraid. It will be difficult for us in light of sickness and death To proclaim that resurrection and to really believe it and live it, but that's our first goal here. What we must do first, and again, it's one of the riches of the Eastern Churches that that theme is so front and center, so high profile, so in a sense almost over the top, because we need it to be in light of so much that is dark in our world, so much tragedy, disappointment, in light of our anxiety, and our fear. We have to remember that Jesus Christ said, fear is useless. What is needed is trust. You can look it up yourself. In the Bible, the one thing that the whole of the Bible speaks against the most is fear. That's what Jesus said when he appeared to the apostles, be not afraid, fear, fear me not, peace be with you, don't be afraid, because fear is a way of, in a sense, transgressing the first commandment. Yes, see, when we fear, what we do is we basically say that there's something more powerful than God, that this tragedy, this evil force is more powerful than God. And God's really not who he says he is. He's not really around, as if he jumps out the window whenever we're up against something that's difficult. No, God is there, especially during those times. So to fear is to act as though God is not here. He is not who he is. And this is why the one thing Christ spoke most against was fear. Be not afraid. There was also the theme of St. John Paul II's pontificate. And he, of course, wrote that magnificent document, Oriental Illumin, which means Light of the East, about the Eastern churches, from where we get the name of this radio program. And I'm glad you're listening to this radio program, especially now during this time of the resurrection. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East
0: we find ourselves in a new reality where first responders, doctors, custodial workers, nurses, police and fire personnel, stalkers, dock workers, clergy, religious and others are in the front lines to combat COVID-19. These people care for your welfare. When you meet one of these selfless people, thank them. Let kindness prevail as we at Light of the East ask you to pray for them. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Glory to Jesus Christ. Father Loya would like you to know that Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church is open for personal prayer during the coronavirus outbreak. Father Loya is available for confession and personal counseling during the week. The Divine Liturgy is live streamed Sunday mornings at 10 on the Annunciation Parish Facebook page. Please keep in mind that parish expenses continue in your absence and that your donation can be accepted on the donation page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Thank you.
1: Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host on this bright and glorious time of the resurrection. And I say that to you purposely, you're probably reacting like, well, gee, it's not so bright and glorious. I know people have died from the coronavirus. I know people have been sick. Maybe you've been sick. People lost their jobs. Businesses are folding. There's all kinds of reason to be despondent. We're trying to combat that now and be people truly of the resurrection. Before going further. I want to say hello to somebody. Mary Peterson from Sterling Heights. Mary Peterson from Sterling Heights, Michigan. Thanks for listening, Mary. Thanks for your correspondence to us. We really appreciate it. Thanks to all of you for listening. And again, I can't say enough, as we do in the Eastern churches over and over again, Christ is risen. And you respond, of course, indeed, he is risen. But let's look at despondency for a little bit here. A little wisdom from the Eastern monks, the Eastern spiritual masters. St. John Climacus, one of the greatest, said that despondency is born sometimes of luxury and sometimes of lack of fear of God. Does that sound relevant to you and familiar. Let me read it again. This is from his Ladder of Divine Ascent, his book on spirituality. is classic. Despondency is born sometimes of luxury and sometimes of lack of fear of God. Now, those are two things that really are behind some of our despondency, our anxiety, because what's happening? A lot of things are being taken away from us, including our access to the body and blood of Christ, our access to church, to liturgy, to a lot of things that are familiar, access to all kinds of fun things, things that really kept us busy. And that has disrupted our lives. And we've been asked to look at what really is essential and what really was not so essential. It may have been nice or good, or okay, but was it so essential as to have us be involved in things rather than God and church and worship and so on? Were they so essential as to invest so much of our time, energy, and money in these things? A lot of those things have been taken away from us, maybe never to return. Maybe we will return, but hopefully with a different kind of attitude. And so, some of our despondency comes from, as St. John says here, luxury. In other words, things that we had that were really, you could say, luxurious, or maybe not essential, but we treated them as essential. Remember the, the one that promoted the iPhone? He said that, I'm going to invent something or promote something that, not that people really need, but they would come to believe they cannot live without. And boy, was he successful. And I think that the pandemic and the whole shutdown, the whole sort of, I'm going to call it sit down and be quiet that God has said to us during this, I believe that whole time is an opportunity for us to sort out what really is essential and what is not. Because we become despondent over losing things that maybe were excessive or not so essential, but we treated them as essential. And St. John Climacus also said that despondency is also from lack of fear of God. Well, that's a big one. I certainly think that our Lord has provided this opportunity of this pandemic, and maybe I should say it differently. He's inviting us to see this pandemic as an opportunity to examine our faith in God. Did we really have a lack of fear of God? Did we really take church teaching so casually? To pick and choose what we wanted from the church and yet still call ourselves catholic or even orthodox christians john Climacus says here yeah despondency a lack of fear of god let's face it the world has thumbed their nose at god we have made normative things that go directly against god's order of things especially the area of marriage and family human sexuality which is so sacred which makes us most like God. Everything rises and falls on that relationship between man and woman, the sanctity of marriage and of the bedroom. Everything does, and we've made a mockery of it. We thought we could redefine it. We could take it out of God's hands and put God on the sidelines, tell God to sit down and be quiet, and we're gonna reinvent these things and make a normative, and if you don't accept that, we're going to take retribution on you. We're gonna force this down your throats forced us to be the new norm of society. This is what was happening. It was ideology by way of intimidation. We put God on the sidelines, made him sit down, and we're going to take over. Well, now he's shown us that he is God, and he has sat us down, hasn't he? But he's asking us to look at this relationship that we have with him. Fear of God. You know, when The priest or deacon during the divine liturgy in the Eastern churches raises the chalice with the consecrated bread and the consecrated wine, in other words, the precious body and blood of Christ. When he raises that up, the deacon or priest will proclaim this, approach with the fear of God and with faith. What does that mean, fear of God? And we also refer oftentimes in our prayer in Eastern churches to the fearsome judgment seat of Christ. What does that word fear mean in this case? It really means the right ordering of things. It means our relationship to God, who we are in relationship to this great, almighty, inexpressible, ineffable, incomprehensible God. Fear means a proper, reverential awe that we come to the Eucharist to receive the very body and blood of Christ, who is God. We receive that. How could we possibly be worthy? We should approach it with that fear and trembling that we're doing something sacrilegious just by the fact that who we are in relation to God, but it is God in his mercy that makes us worthy to come and approach. Of course, we have to be in that proper state of grace, that proper disposition. Hopefully, we went to confession. We have no great sin or great disagreement, incongruency with how we're living and what the church is teaching, what the Eucharist is about. Remember, the Eucharist is the body of Christ. It's not just something you get like a token. It's the body of Christ, which means it's also His presence in the church. To not accept what the church says is to not accept the Eucharist, the body of Christ. And that's why to approach that Eucharist without accepting and living, believing in all that the church teaches, to approach the Eucharist when you don't believe that, all of it, is to approach it unworthily, with a lack of the fear of God. We need to humble ourselves before God and before the church. But what has the world done? 70% of Catholics don't even believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. Like it's some kind of entitlement that we we walk up there, we march up there with all of our pride, and we just sort of take it like a token that that we showed up that we belong and we shouldn't be excluded. This is what's happened. And now God has told us to sit down and think about this for a while. You don't have it now. In fact, you don't have your sports either. Because sometimes we did sports instead of being at the Eucharist on Sunday morning. And sad to say, this was even the case many times in Catholic circles, Catholic sports leagues, on Sunday morning instead of church. Oh yeah, okay, so you went to Saturday night mass. That is not the purpose of having mass on Saturday evening. It's not the purpose of a vigil liturgy, to get it out of the way so you can do more fun things on Sunday morning. And this is where we were. This is what we slipped into. Do you wonder why something finally came along to put the brakes on all this? So in the Eastern churches, this idea of fear, the fearsome judgment seat, We don't like that, but that's a reality we need. Now we're fearing for our lives. We're fearing for our health. We're fearing so much for our material condition. And that's okay. That's understandable. It has value. But really, our Lord is saying we should be fearing more for our eternal life. And this is what I believe God is calling us to do, to embrace this time, this shutdown, this time of the pandemic, to embrace it, to renew ourselves. Now, St. John Climacus, he also says this about despondency. He said, there is a despair that is the consequence of a multitude of sins, of a burdened conscience and unbearable sorrow, because the soul is covered with a multitude of wounds and sinks under the burden of them into the depths of despair. And there is another kind of sorrow that comes to us from pride and conceit. When someone considers that He has not deserved a fall that he has had. The observant will find the distinguishing feature of each. The one coolly gives way to indifference. The other, in despair, still clings to his struggle, which does not accord with his state. The former is cured by temperance and good hope, and the latter by humility and the habit of not judging anyone. So there's different forms of this despair that we're experiencing, and the antidote for that is nothing new we just have to embrace it it is hope humility prayer and repentance and really proclaiming and living the joy of the risen christ i'm father thomas loya on light of the east christ is risen to hear light of the east again visit byzantinecatholic.com
0: and click on the features and programs tab and on itunes From EWTN Publishing. How the Catholic Church Can Restore Our Culture by Archbishop Georg Gonswain, Secretary to Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. This sublime collection of essays, homilies, and interviews discusses why Pope Benedict XVI resigned, how Pope Benedict interpreted the assassination attempt of Pope John Paul II in relation to Our Lady of Fatima's message, a typical day in the life of Pope Emeritus Benedict, what Europe can and should learn from the history of the Catholic Church, how the Catholic Church can restore our culture, available now at EWTNRC.com. By Catholic. Shop EWTNRC.com.
1: Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, ByzantineCatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years.